While the public has been captivated by a submersible tragedy, the Astros have done some sinking of their own. What's the future of Dusty Baker, Rafael Montero, and new GM Dana Brown? We're going to peer into our crystal ball and make our best guesses. We'll talk about it next on episode 29 of Stone Cold Strows, and it starts right now. Welcome into Stone Cultures. I'm Brandon Strange, and as always, I'm joined by SportsMap senior content contributor Charlie Palillo. Follow him on Twitter at Palillo, where you should follow him because he shares his links to his weekly column on sportsmap.com, which if you aren't reading, you should, in my opinion, be reading them. And if you watch our videos on YouTube enough with any sort of regularity, you should know sportsmap.com editor Josh Jordan. Follow him on Twitter at JoshJordan975. And then when you're not watching sports map content, be sure to listen to our sister platform, ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 on your radio dial. <gasps> Gentlemen, what's up? A 29 cap tip to the World Series champion wear for the Astros. Relief pitcher Tony Sip. But for my real 29, I'm going back to a real good platoon player in the 80s, Denny Walling. Left-handed hitting, primarily third baseman, split the job with Phil Garner for a while. Had his career season in 1986, one of the glorious seasons in Astros history. No World Series attached, but Denny Walling, my primary number 29. Nice. Uh, I'll go Joe Biagini, just because, I don't know, you, you kind of, I mean. Oh, I know, you but, wanted to say Biagini. Biagini. Uh, you could have said Octavio Dotel. Octavio Dotel, I mean, obviously the better of the two players, but uh, why not? Or Brett Wallace on the video, I could have done a spit take. Yeah. yeah. yeah no I got nothing. Uh, all right, guys. Well, let's get into it. That's the fun stuff. I thought uh, we, I wanted to look into the future, kind of do some projecting on the, what's going to happen with this team. Uh, if you're really old, uh, <laughs> like myself, uh, you might remember Karnak the Magnificent. If you're Prime a old, river, by the way, I'm if you're old. Yeah. <laughs> if you're about? a little less old, you might remember Miss Cleo from the late night commercials. Call me now for your free reading. Uh, if you're a little less old, you might remember John Edward uh, from Crossing Over. And then maybe the more current generation might know Tyler Henry, the Hollywood medium. And somewhere in there is Laura, the pet psychic. But I thought it'd be fun for us to take out our proverbial crystal ball and just kind of do some predicting because uh, at this point, it's really hard to do any realistic projections because you would have thought that some changes would have been made by now. But we continue to go back to the well. Never let it be said that Doug Baker does not give his guys every opportunity to uh, make amends for uh, scuffling. The Astros drop a frustrating series in L.A., uh, they win the finale in a game in which the win felt like a loss, but losing a series in which it felt like you didn't get beaten that series as much as the Astros just kind of gave it away. Capped off Sunday night with you know, Rafael Montero giving back a three-run lead in the eighth. So let's look into the future. And let's start with Rafael Montero because there's been a lot of consternation about that topic. We thought Rafael had pitched his way out of high-leverage situations but there he finds himself in the eighth, protecting a three-run lead in L.A., in which he just, with two outs, coughs it all back up. We'll start with you, Charlie. What's the future of Rafael Montero? Well, he's not going to be released. I mean, they're just not going to eat 
two and a half seasons of a $34.5 million contract. Not in the near term, anyway. I mean, if you want to try to trade him, you'd have to send most of the money to get him off your roster if you wanted to try to explore that route. What I would do with Rafael Montero is have the heart-to-heart go to him and say, look, you were great last year. You have generational wealth for plenty of Monteros because of it. But you stink. We all know it. You all know it. You're a broken man on the mound. You basically can't get out of an inning without giving up multiple runs. You are a vested veteran. We can't send you to Sugarland to work some things out without your permission. What do you say? There are nice restaurants down there. You have the town center. Just go where you're not facing the pressure and, frankly, humiliation on a regular basis, doing damage to the Major League Ball Club on a regular basis. Go down to AAA for two, three weeks, clear your head, maybe rediscover something. The problem is, what team has six or seven really good relief pitchers? With the construct of the Astros roster now, there is zero about Sean Dubin's background that says he belongs in the major leagues. Well, he's on the roster right now. Uh, Dusty almost with a plaintive cry of, hey, garbage in, garbage out. You give me this guy, what do you expect me to do? Uh, Dusty, though, sometimes I think passive-aggressive pouting uh, well, I, I couldn't use Neris or didn't want to use Neris because he pitched the last two games. He threw two pitches on Saturday. Two! After throwing all of 10 pitches on Friday. Ryan Presley couldn't have been asked for a two-inning save? Well, we had to be wary of extra innings. Off day Monday, you wound up using Presley for two innings anyway. Now, if anyone wants to argue for Seth Martinez, he's given up runs in five of his last six outings before getting through the last inning to secure the save. So when you're that deep in your bullpen, you're typically not going to have good options, but Montero could not be a sore thumb sticking out. He's not a usable pitcher at this point. Yeah. I mean, it. he's just not bad. I mean, he's the worst. I mean, he has the worst ERA of any qualified reliever going to the game yesterday. Uh, and now he's at what? Seven, seven, six. The other thing, per the Chronicle here, opponents are hitting 231 against his forcing fastball. Pretty good, right? But they're hitting 405 against his changeup, his sinker, and his slider. So that tells me, to Charlie's point, I don't care if you have to fake an injury with him. He's got to go figure out a secondary pitch, whether it's on the backfields, wherever. He's got to find something else besides that forcing fastball that guys just aren't crushing all over the yard. And he's... The batting average against him is 336 right now. That would be the second highest batting average in all of MLB right now. So essentially anybody that's facing Montero has like the second best batting average in baseball. That's what you're dealing with right now. They got to get him figured out. You can't leave him in any more games where it's costing you wins. And this team, it's not like last year. The division is much tougher. They got to win these ball games. Dusty can't keep running him out there and then blaming Dana Brown for making him available to him. Is Maldonado just dumb when Montero is pitching, by the way? <laughs> right? Montero is pitching as badly as Maldonado hits. I mean, that is two peas in a puke pod. <laughs> I I don't completely disagree with Dusty's rationale when he says I have to use my pitchers because, you know, there is only so many relievers in the bullpen and you have to go to somebody and kind of defending him a little bit is there isn't really mop up duty as has been noted by a lot of the outlets, you know, kind of talking about this is the Astros don't have the offense to be blowing anybody out. 
And they have a really good pitching staff in the starting rotation. So they're not getting blown out early. So there's not a lot of mop-up duty to kind of hide where Montero is at right now. But at the same time, I disagree with Dusty's rationale on putting him in certain situations. There's no reason why he couldn't have yanked him before he coughed up the entire lead on Sunday's game. He said that Naris was only available in emergencies. Well, what is a hit by pitch in an RBI double, if not an emergency, when your lead has uh, been reduced to two runs? Well, four-out save for Presley, right? Montero got the first two outs, then he hits Betts, then gives up the double to Freeman, then up comes Will Smith. Okay, at that point, you know, if Dusty was going to say it happened so quickly, well, you got the first two guys out, but a hit batter and then a double. You had time there to get Presley up if you didn't want to go to Neris in case, but you go to Neris after the game is tied. So, I mean, Dusty's not just completely idiotic on this, but as tactically as so often the case, his rationale is flawed. We've come to expect that. We, we've come to expect the fact that Dusty's just going to make questionable decisions that leaves us all scratching our head when this team was better and had better offense and and maybe just more to the point when Jordan Alvarez is on this team, it kind of covers up some of those questionable decisions that Dusty makes as does the performance of a lot of players. I mean, that's, that's kind of what baseball is, is when your players outperform their expectations, it makes the manager look like a genius. AJ Hinch hasn't looked nearly as smart since going over to Detroit. But my question, I guess, is this. Now, let's take our crystal ball. If Dusty's going to say, this is who I have to work with, what does Dana Brown do about that? Is it on Dana Brown to have to take Rafael Montero off of this staff to where he is unavailable? Uh, Is it a matter of Dana Brown being more public like he was in the Yiner Diaz situation where he just kind of openly posited Yiner being used more? How does Dana influence this situation when you're dealing with basically a made man? Well, maybe Dana could call up James Click. Dusty, you have this mild straw fetish? I'll take care of it for you. Um, In the case of Montero, I just see no way they're going to eat all the money. Um, Failing that, mentioned the the AAA option, and you covered the the third possibility. Rafi, hold still. This won't hurt too much. (laughs) Oh, injured list. 60 days? I guess they're August. Um, It's a bind. The money's a huge factor in this. The guy had only had one good major league season, so that's the outlier in his career. I mean, he hadn't been bad to this extreme because it's almost impossible to be this bad to this extreme. But they'll probably hope this year is a write-off and next year he has a bounce back to fall somewhere reasonably in the middle. But when you're trying to win in 2023, again, he's now, what, the seventh best guy in their bullpen? You know, maybe sixth if you still want to slot him ahead of Seth Martinez. Uh, but again, in fairness to Dusty, Abreu's leaking oil. He and Maton blew the game on Saturday. Uh, Ryan Presley settled down the last week, but you're not going to start bringing him in in the seventh and eighth inning. Uh, Nera specifically was the guy on Sunday who he could have gone to to start the eighth or Presley for a four-out save. So Dusty gets the blame for that specific game situation. But it's not like he has all his relievers throwing well, but he puts in the one guy who's a bum. Uh, They'd been top two or three the entire season in bullpen earned run average. Now they faded to eighth. The overall ERA starting the week, and the Astros reached the dead midpoint of the schedule on Wednesday. They are still number one 
in earned run average. So the overarching issue, I think, remains the offense. But in the uh, the narrower scope, the bullpen's been letting them down significantly, and some of Dusty's choices have compounded the problem. Yeah, to Charlie's point, relief pitchers are they're unpredictable in nature. That's why they're relief pitchers and not starters. You know, look at Maton from what he was last year to how good he's been this year. He wasn't bad last year, but we've seen how incredible he was to start this year. So you never know. Montero could bounce back and have a good year next year. And the fact that he's the sixth highest paid relief pitcher right now in baseball, they're going to want to give him that opportunity to prove that he can bounce back. So when we're looking long-term, that makes some sense. Also with Naris, it looks like this is going to become a player's option. So he's going to want out of this contract and he's going to want a deal similar to Montero. So he'll be a free agent. Maton's a free agent. Uh, Stanek's going to be a free agent. You're going to need relief pitchers for next year. So if you just say cut Montero now, I mean, you already paid him. You know, I don't know if that's the answer either. And I think for Dana Brown, it's kind of tricky, right? He didn't sign Montero. He knows this was a Jim Crane thing. This was maybe a Bagwell thing, a Dusty Baker thing. We know how much Dusty had a little more influence, his dust-ups with the click last year. So I think Dana Brown's got to be kind of careful. Like, this wasn't my move. I don't want to be quick to call it out as a terrible move because I have bosses to answer to. I'm curious to see how he navigates this. And if you just fire the guy now, you're swallowing $28 million. So that is is just not a, a feasible call. Now, but uh, kind of trying to look for a solution this year, it's clear that the bullpen uh, is certainly an area of need. Uh, And so one name that keeps kind of coming up in the trade rumors because of his performance uh, this season has been Araldis Chapman. And that certainly would, you know, at this point, I mean, Araldis is carrying a 2-6-3 ERA. He's looked very good, has, you know, hit, uh, you know, the – uh, above 100 on the radar gun. He's, he's kind of living above uh, like, kind of like 102 right now uh, with his fastball. Is is that even realistic or do you have to save all your bullets because you need a bat? Uh, I think the Astros get outbid on Chapman. I mean, the Royals, if they don't trade him, they're idiotic. They might be idiotic anyway. What a disastrous team. They'd fallen below Oakland for, for a little bit. Uh, they're going to deal him. But I just think there are too many other contenders. The Dodgers' bullpen's been good the last week. The Dodgers' bullpen, for all the Astros' recent travails, the Dodgers are 26th in bullpen ERA. Uh, I don't know about the Astros or any other particular team. The domestic violence stuff in Chapman's past is probably old enough that it wouldn't dissuade a team from trading for him. And obviously, he's pitched the last several years. Uh, I just don't think the, the Astros can make an offer Uh, That's competitive with all these teams that have much, much better farm systems than the Astros. And a real scary one on this one, if you're still locking in on the American League West as opposed to the wildcard jumble, the Rangers bullpen starts the week 23rd in ERA and gave up a couple of games to the Yankees over the weekend. The Rangers are going to fortify that bullpen. And, you know, if they trade their sixth and seventh prospects, well, that's better than the Astros offering their third and fourth prospects. And they're just too many teams that can make a much better offer than the Astros without bankrupting their farm system than I would think the the Astros are able to make. But it's Dana Brown's job to cast the line, right? You can't catch a fish unless you're at least throwing the reel out in the water. Um, But I'll be surprised if they get the best reliever or the best bat who moves between now and August 1st. Yeah, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, we saw Click in the past make some moves for guys that weren't super high-profile names, 
Hell, Montero, one of them that actually turned out to be pretty good. So you wonder if maybe if Dana has some of those same skills as Click has, to he can find some of these under the radar guys that can make a big difference for the ball club. So Click had skills. Yeah, if I, if I heard you right. I oh. missed that guy. <laughs> Kendall Graveman came in that Montero. Yeah, show. and I remember, uh, but Montero was a zero in 2021. Yeah. He was injured, total non-factor. Graveman did really good work. Astros didn't want to pay three years, 24 million, which is what Graveman got to go to the White Sox. Montero has the great year, gets three years, 34 and a half. You had that one huge year, and it was a key guy in helping you win the World Series. But boy, the back end of it right now looks like a colossal oops. Now, we've talked about it here a million times. We know Dusty is a made man. He's not going anywhere. They're not going to cut him loose midseason. So what is the solution? How do the Astros deal with their Dusty challenge? Dusty's not Jimmy Williams. There's not going to be a managerial change at the All-Star break, or you could knock us over with a feather. Uh, I'm going to say this first solution, 44 of them. Well, actually, number 44. Jordan's the fulcrum of of this lineup. Uh, You'd like Altuve to stay healthy and produce. He needs to DH more when he gets back, less Jolks or McCormick slash Myers. Uh, although if Dusty's going to continue to have Maldonado on pace to start 115 games, which in itself actually is a fireable offense, right? Yiner Diaz has to get more and more DH at bats. Uh, but you get Jordan back. I mean, that just anchors your lineup. It lengthens your lineup. It's one decision that Dusty does not have to make. Um, and Bregman, right? Every time he has a good game or two, oh, Breggy's back. And then he goes five for 24. Uh, Carl Ravitch on the Sunday night telecast. It looks like Jose Abreu is back because he has a couple good days. He was five for 27 before those last couple days. I will say this about Abreu month of June with less than a week to go in it, starting the Cardinal series on Tuesday night. Uh, this would be acceptable. Abreu. His OPS is 796. That's good. It's not special for a first baseman. Oh, Abreu is back. His OPS in June is 796. 796 OPS for a season would be the worst season of Abreu's career. But it's not the anvil killing your lineup, obviously, that it was the first three months of the season. 796, way better than Yuli Gurriel was last year. So if you can have June Abreu, you don't have yourself a stud first baseman, but you have yourself worthy play. And that guy's pushed down a spot in the lineup when you have Jordan back. And Bregman has a solid second half. And Altuve has a healthy and solid second half. Well, then your lineup should be good again. Top five in baseball again? Maybe not, but good again. And if your pitching is going to remain near the top of MLB and earned run average, well, that should be a playoff team. Reeling in the Rangers? Don't know, but a playoff team at least. Yeah. It, obviously, Abreu is a big part of it. I, I pulled some stats on him. This is the first time his OPS is, is over 600. It's the first time since mid-April. So, I mean, that just kind of shows you how long it's been. He is getting better. Um What's nice, I've seen some good scoops at first base on his defense is looking a little better in recent games, which which has helped out for sure. So I like that. He's Every week I do the update where, oh, he has the second worst OPS of all qualified players in baseball. Not anymore, guys. He is at fourth, just in front of Miles Straw. So we will take that little bit of improvement when we get it. Uh, as far as Dusty, I, I think it's the, the Chaz stuff, too. We talked about it last week. You know, Chandler Rome reported he didn't think it was a secret. Dusty wasn't a big Chaz McCormick fan. This guy's got to play more. I mean, Yiner Diaz has to play more. He has the best OPS on the team right now with Jordan out. Behind him, it's Tucker and Chaz. 
So if these guys need to be on the field more. If you're going to use jolks, then maybe Jake Myers needs to go to the bench. But I just, you got to get McCormick in there. You got to get Yiner in there, especially while Jordan's out. Yiner should be DHing every game he's not catching. I, I, I don't know what they're doing there. I, I know he's playing more. He needs to play every day. Jokes does some exciting stuff. Myers has had a couple stretches where he's been very good. But you are the sum of your works. They're both sub-700 OPS guys. They're not good offensive players unless there's going to be a real takeoff. So minimizing their at-bats, you get Jordan back. Yiner had started 12 of the last 13 games before watching Sunday as Maldonado kept screwing up bunt attempts. And ah. um, So what are you going to do when Jordan is back, Altuve's back? Where are you going to spot Dubon, who to me clearly is now the better defensive second baseman than Altuve? Though Dubon, still not a good offensive player, eight walks and 200 and some odd at bats. The batting average is nice, but the power is minimal. The OPS is not good. The Astros lineup in that game Sunday against the Dodgers, not one 800 OPS guy in it. Tucker the best at 794. Texas Rangers lineup Sunday, not one guy in the entire lineup with an OPS lower than 792. Right? The Astros had four guys sub 700 when you throw in Abreu and Maldonado with Myers and Jolks. So they just don't have enough quality bullets in that lineup right now. It's Jordan and Altuve getting back. And then how do you fill out the rest? But minimizing plate appearances for sub-700 OPS guys has to be a priority. And the worst of them all, broken record, is Maldonado. So when you have Jordan back, how are you going to funnel in Dubon? To me, Altuve should be DHing a couple of times per week. You know, now you're throwing a heel after the oblique. He's 33 years old now. Load management, but you want the bat in the lineup at least. Uh, Yiner has to become the majority catcher. There is not a leg to stand on at this point with Martin Maldonado from pop time to throwing out base dealers to obviously anything in the batter's box to pitchers ERA with the catcher, the framing data. If you buy into that, Dusty frankly needs to get over it with Martin Maldonado. The players have to play better, right? That's just the bottom line. Uh, Dusty isn't the reason that Jordan's hurt. He's not the reason that Altuve broke his hand. He didn't break Montero's confidence. Uh, I mean, we talked about this before the show. Jose Siri has as many home runs as Jeremy Pena and Jose Abreu combined. Uh, granted, his on-base percentage is pathetic, but like that just kind of goes to show you what kind of a weird year this is and kind of what the Astros are you know, kind of working through. But Dusty did talk about using guys because they're on the roster. Does Dana dare, does Dana dare trade away Maldi to where Dusty has no choice but to use Yiner more? That would take some stones. I mean, frankly, there's an argument to DFA Maldonado and release him. I mean, would there really be a mutiny on the pitching staff and call up Corey Lee to split the time behind the play with Diaz, find more about, Lee as well as you project into 2024 and name Maldonado assistant bench coach with, with Joe Espada. He can talk strategy and impart wisdom every time a pitcher comes to the dugout. But Maldonado's game at this point has no strengths. It, it has no strengths, right? That he calls a superior game. Does it appear that he calls a superior game to Yiner Diaz? Does he move behind the plate very well? We've talked about pass balls and wild pitch calls that he gets a break on. Uh, I've said before, the machete dull uh, blade has dulled. Uh, you mentioned it's Josh a butter Hoffman. knife. 
What's his percentage of bouncing throws to second? He's also <laughs> right. tailing throws away. Yeah. His arm strength is not what it was. And, you know, this is the number nine hitter. So going from the worst in all of baseball, right? He doesn't qualify or he'd be dead last uh, where Abreu is fourth from the bottom. Abreu could be fifth from the bottom if only Maldonado had the plate appearances. Uh, but every incremental improvement matters when you're just another decent team in the mix. You look at the Astros roster top to, the bo- top to bottom and compare it to the Blue Jays. Are the Astros clearly better? No, they're not. The Texas Rangers starting pitchers have a slightly better collective earned run average than the Astros starting pitchers. Um, I'm not a real buyer on the Angels, but what if they work a little thunder at the, at the trade deadline? Um, the Yankees have been hit by injuries worse than have the Astros this year, and the Astros are right there with the Yankees. Um, you know, the, the Mariners make a move. The Red Sox are in last place in the American League East. American League East, they're, they're two games behind the Astros. The Astros are just another team. So you are frittering away at bats or innings here or there that cost you a game here or there. Hey, in the end, this can be the difference between getting in the playoffs or going home the first week of October for the first time in years. Yeah, where's the biggest improvement you could make just by making one move? How about instead of Maldonado playing almost every day with a 543 OPS, it's Yiner Diaz in there with an 801 OPS. Just that one little change. And to have an advantage at catcher, or most teams don't have great catchers anyway, that, that can make a huge difference just in that one move right there. Well, we know it could make a difference, but I do wonder if Dana feels empowered enough to, to make that sort of move and to create that sort of ripple, because I do think that would send you know, kind of shockwaves through uh, the, the locker room there. But is it the good kind of shockwaves that motivates a team and lets them know that, you know, the situation's critical and everyone needs, it's an all hands on deck moment, or is it one that makes them lose confidence because they feel like maybe it's desperation. I think really the performance on field is what's going to drive it. And we've talked about that ad, ad nauseum here, which is it's going to be the performance of the players. that's ultimately going to dictate the success of this team, but they're not being helped right now by Dusty Baker's decision-making. There is a direct correlation to uh, critical late game moves that are happening or not happening, and he's not helping the situation. So I don't think, you know, doing anything to, uh, you know, directly fix Dusty's uh, decision making is is the one lever that changes everything. But boy, it sure could help, and the the Maldi move sure could definitely uh, uh, make a, a a big difference, as we've talked about. Charlie, final thought before we go on to our next topic. At bare minimum, you invert their roles. Whereas Diaz is the guy who catches two thirds, three quarters of the games. You don't want Diaz catching every day the rest of the way because there's the risk of him wearing some, wearing down some and sapping from the bat. Uh, but Diaz, you know, if he's going to OPS 800, uh, he should be the majority catcher and then get spot DH starts, the occasional first base start. Right? We saw Dubon debut at first base in, in the last few days. Um, you know, they're not blessed with depth decisions to make from the minor leagues, that they call up Bly Madris, that they sign John Singleton. I mean, great individual story for John Singleton, but that this is what they're trying for organizational depth at first base at this point. Uh, Yiner should be part of that when he is not uh, the primary catcher. It just this is, this is fractions, not calculus, right? This particular decision. Well, all the wheels have not completely come off the wagon. Starting pitching for the Astros has been stellar this season, continues to be stellar. 
while their bullpen ERA has fallen to eighth, they still own the best team ERA, which is led by their starting pitching. Uh, with Urquidy now throwing bullpen sessions uh, and, you know, kind of the sustained performances from uh, JP France and others, how confident are we that they can maintain this momentum from their starting pitching? Uh, my only concern is, is workload. If it catches up, uh, Fromber's money, he's durable. He's a horse. He threw 200 innings last year, well over 150 the year before that. So uh, Fromber's money in the bank, pitching like a legit ace Cy Young Award candidate. Javier really hadn't been dominant this year. He'd been very good overall, but he's striking out under one batter per inning. He's giving up many more hits per nine innings or more hits per nine innings than he did last year. Right, The last two months of last year, the guy was damn near unhittable. Um, this year, he's been good. He's certainly pitching as a worthy number two starter. Does he have a gear shift up in the second half or as he's on pace to blow past his prior career high in innings pitched the second year in a row, is that worrisome? Obviously, Hunter Brown has never pitched a full season of major league innings, never more than 120 innings as a pro. And we've seen the spotting of the six-man rotation, but Hunter Brown's still on pace for 160, 170 innings. If he doesn't wilt, if Javier doesn't wilt, they're rock solid one, two, three. It's cross your fingers after that that the league doesn't get more data on France. Uh, you know, Blanco's acquitted, him, uh, acquitted himself well, uh, but the Astros don't have the advantage when they pitch their fourth and fifth starters each time out, uh, as they did when you had a healthy Garcia, uh, a healthy Urquidy. Um, but, you know, if fourth and fifth starters, unless you're just getting smashed with the guys you're throwing out there, if that's your, if that's your biggest problem, you're in pretty good shape. I don't think it's their biggest problem. Yeah, starting pitching, that's what's keeping them in this. That's why they still have a winning record. And you talked about Fromber, legit ace. He's got the second best ERA in baseball right now, 227. You can't ask for much more than that from him. Javier's 22nd in ERA at 325. You know, not terrible for, you know, your second starter being 22nd. Hunter Brown's 30th, sitting at 362. So for your top three guys, that's pretty good. To put it in perspective, all three of them have better ERAs than Charlie Morton and Spencer Strider. So, I mean, they're doing their part. And then Charlie mentioned J.P. France. I've been impressed with him. He's now up to nine starts, sitting at a 3-5-4 ERA. I mean, you know, 30 starts in a major league season is considered, you know, a good good season for a starting pitcher. He's a third of the way there. Three and a half ERA, you'll take that. So, I've been impressed with the pitching. They, they, it's the bullpen, and they got to score more runs. And to Charlie's point, you're counting on some young guys that haven't done this before. you got to be careful with them, but – you know, so far so good. It has been interesting to see it in, in some, in some ways disappointing to see the starters that don't get credited for wins for their starts, which is why, you know, a pitcher's win loss record really means nothing other than just a fun stat to track and perhaps a differentiator in a Cy Young race. But let's, let's talk about the Cy Young because Fromber is a guy who seems to fly under the radar when it comes to these Cy Young conversations. What does he have to do? Is it just a matter because the Astros just are, uh, you know, barely above, you know, 500 uh, and, and, you know, kind of vacillating between second and third and in, in the division, there's just bigger stories to tell. What does, what does Fromber have to do to really get the attention of the national media and really insert himself into that conversation about, being a legit Cy Young candidate. Oh, I think he's on the board, uh, legit. You know, the win total at seven and four, if he beats the Cardinals Tuesday night, he's at the midway point at eight and four. If you double that to 16 and eight, 
we're in an era where you don't have to win 18, 20 games to be a Cy Young contender anymore. Um, hope Otani isn't just going to win everything, uh, as incredible as he is. Shane McClanahan's probably been the other super elite starting pitcher so far this season, left his last start for the Rays with a, a stiff back. Was that just a hiccup? Or if he suffers some downtime, does that take him out? Um, the Yankees have a big second half, make the playoffs, and Garrett Cole pitches like an ace. He's a guy who's in the mix. But but Fromber is going to check boxes of, of starts made and innings pitched works. And then you mentioned the ERA data. Um, and it's not as if he's anonymous off what he did uh, last year, what, 18 and five? Uh, so I think I think Fromber's uh, in in the thick of it, and um, if he finishes the year with a sub two three zero earned run average, he's going to show up on Cy Young bouts. Yeah, he's got a shot. It's you know him taking those losses early in the season. To Brandon's point, where he gets some good starting pitching, and then they don't always come away with, with the W. So Fromber's going to need to make that up a little bit. He's not the, the tip top of guys with strikeouts. You know, Garrett Cole gets a few more than him. But it's not as if it's bad. He's got 104 strikeouts now in 99 innings. So, you know, more than one per inning, that, that's pretty good. So Fromber's just got to keep it up, and he'll be, he'll be right in it at the end. Yeah, Nathan Ivaldi's had a heck of a season with the Rangers. I want to see him hold up for a full season. Uh, so on Fromber, if you really want to uh, kick up a notch, uh, a Cy Young candidacy, right? we're inside two weeks now to the All-Star break. Astros five and a half back of the Rangers – probably probably not going to gain any ground before the series in Arlington opens on Friday. I'd say the Astros take two out of three in St. Louis. The Cardinals stink. Well, the Rangers are home for four against the Tigers, who stink. So if the Rangers take three out of four, the Astros take two out of three. The Astros are six back of the Rangers going into Arlington this weekend, four-game series, where I would say it's close to imperative. The Astros get at least a split. Right? If you're six back, you go in there, you lose three out of four to the Rangers – you're eight games back, and you're in deep, deep trouble in the division. Still a lot of baseball left, and you look at the schedules straight out of the All-Star break. There's some advantage Astros there. But if you're eight games out July 4th, the odds are against you winning the division. Well, say the Astros go up into Arlington and take three out of four from the Rangers. And the way the pitching maps out, Framber Valdez is going to start one of those games. Yep. So the Astros win the series, and Framber snuffs Simeon and Seeger and Garcia and Heim and Lowe and that beastly Rangers lineup, uh, that's an attention getter. If Fromber has a big mix, big season start against the team you're chasing down, and uh, oh, by the way, the Astros are gaining ground, which would only heighten the, the Astros mentioned in all the name games. Hunter Brown for Rookie of the Year. Uh, Jordan's dead in the water for, for MVP, unless they all get hurt and miss a, a lot of time. Right, Otani might not have to play after the All-Star break. <laughs> yeah. He wrapped up at this point. Uh, but, you know, Aaron Judge, his toast messed up. The Yankees have no idea when he's going to come back. Uh, but if you pitch really well, I mean, Felix Hernandez won a Cy Young Award at 13 and 12 a few years ago with the Mariners. We're in a more enlightened age where it's not just about wins. So if Fromber keeps Frombering, uh, he's a real Cy Young candidate. But obviously, if he's a driving force in the Astros overtaking the Rangers, it further enhances his chances. Last week, uh, Evan Drellich decided he needed some clicks, so he kind of invoked uh, a quote from uh, Rob Manford talking about uh, you know, his regrets on how he dealt with the sign-stealing scandal. Uh, apparently, national broadcast can't feature a Dodgers-Astros matchup without reiterating the history of the 2017 World Series. 
uh, while also failing to mention that the Astros actually won another World Series last year. So how much does that, I'll, I guess I'll feature this as our, our bottom line here. So we'll, we'll do this on the way out. So my, my bottom line question to you is this, is why, how much does that media narrative and continuing to churn up uh, something that happened six, seven years ago, how, how much does this continue to dampen chances of somebody like Fromber uh, getting votes in a Cy Young? Maybe just because, ah, you know what? Screw the Astros. Uh, I really think not at all. I mean, it is tired. It's part of the permanent record and that other teams cheated, whatever. The Astros were the one caught doing 70 and a 55. If everyone else is speeding and the cop pulls you over, it's your ticket. Uh, but Verlander and Cole went 1-2 in the Cy Young Award. Verlander was on the cheating Astros. Right? From Valdez was nowhere close to being on the Astros at that point. So any voter who's going to go back to 2017, 2018 and hold against Framber Valdez in 2023, I mean, come on. It's 2023. I mean, he's nowhere close to having an MVP candidate year. But if Alex Bregman was having a monster year holding 27, 2018 against Alex Bregman uh, would be pretty pathetic at this point uh, to hold it whatsoever against Framber Valdez. It's the kind of thing that should have a, a vote taken away. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, people aren't and fans. They're not reasonable people. So I could certainly I could see all star votes, you know, th that kind of thing with, where the fans vote. But, you know, for, for Cy Young, that, that that's not a fan vote thing. So uh, I hate to see it. It feels like every summer we get some new non story about 2017 that everybody talks about for three or four days. It, it seems to happen every year. I guess Drellich needs some money for his kid's college fund or something. But, you know, the national media is happy to pick it up because they know it gets page views. I, I saw it all over social media. And to me, it was a, a, a non-story. With the collective bargaining agreement, I don't even think Manfred had the, the opportunity to penalize the Astros. But we know this. With John Boy, all the Astros scandal stuff, it doesn't have to be legit. It doesn't have to be right. It, it doesn't have to be historically accurate. They're just looking for page views, and they know that they can get baseball fans all riled up when you talk about the Astros. I really think the story was Commissioner Manfred admits he's not absolutely perfect. A brief moment of non-arrogance from Rob Manfred. I mean, that was the story, not the Astros story. I mean, he could have tried to drop the hammer, but then he had had all sorts of grievances and, and lawsuits, and that would have been risking owner's money. So the commissioner, whether trying to just polish up his own apple on this, well, gee, I might not have handled that perfectly is a big whatever. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. Well, another episode of Stone Cold Strows is in the books. And if you enjoyed the show, please be sure to give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcast. Charlie, Josh, and I will catch you next week, but you don't have to wait that long to get your Houston Sports Fix. ESPN 97.5 or 92.5 FM has you covered. Thanks to producer Jack for pushing the buttons. And thanks to everyone listening. And until next time, Go Strohs.